Good morning, church. How are we doing this morning? The sun is out. There's no snow on the ground. I'm excited for the weather that's coming out. I'm excited about this weekend. Uh, we started last night with our leadership event. And by the way, we are going to be doing it again this afternoon. And they're, they're, although there is a connection between them, they're both standalone. So if you missed last night, you can come back this afternoon at uh, 3.30. We go from 3.30 to 5.30 as we continue bumper cars, treadmills, freight trains, and sailboats. Uh, if, you, if you in any way, shape, or form love the concept of what it means to be an influencer, you want to be there. If you in any way, shape, or form like to find creative ways of sharing Christ with others, come this afternoon. You'll be, you'll be glad you did. We are privileged to have Pastor Dave Ferguson with us from Southern Adventist University, Collegedale Church. He's going to be speaking this morning for our church service. I'm excited about that. And then also uh, next week, uh, we are going to begin church at 11 instead of 11.30. And at 11 o'clock, not only will the adults have church, but we'll have children's church every Sabbath starting next week. How cool is that? Yes. We're pretty psyched about that. I thank the uh, children's ministry that's gotten together to make that happen. And then one more thing I want to announce that this afternoon after the leadership event, Mosaic and their team, and they would love to invite anybody that would like to join, they're going to be meeting down by the community center door uh, after the event this afternoon. And Larissa, Pastor Larissa, is going to have some flowers, uh, May flowers, that they're going to be giving away to some of the homes in our neighborhood and just kind of letting them know that we're here and we care about them. And we just want to give them those flowers. And that's going to be an awesome thing. If you want to join, Larissa's response to me was, the more the merrier. So, uh, so go ahead and do that. Are you guys ready to worship? Why don't we stand up and sing with the worship team? Amen. Like holy water 
to the riverside take me under baptize i need you oh god i need you oh because your forgiveness is like sweet sweet honey on my lips it's like the sound of a symphony to my ears it's like holy Is a new creation coming? Yeah. 
is the glory of the Lord to be the light within our midst. Is it good that we remind ourselves of this? It is. Is anyone worthy? Is anyone whole? Is anyone able to break the seal and open the scroll? The Lion of Judah who conquered the grave. He is David's root and the Lamb who dies. Ransom the slave. Is he worthy? Is he worthy of all blessing and honor and glory? Is he worthy of this? He is. Does the Father truly love us? Does the Spirit move among us? And does Jesus, our Messiah, hold forever those He loves? Does our God intend to dwell again with
He is worthy. Praise God. It is good to be with you, whether right here in these seats or somewhere at home uh, watching, whether uh, sometime in the future or live this morning. Welcome to worship. We're glad that you are here. I am delighted to be here as a friend, as a guest. I know so many of you by now. It's always lovely to come back to the Richland Church and to spend some time with you. Today, the title of our time is Name, Name. I'd like to invite you to turn to Acts chapter 4, if you don't mind, Acts chapter 4. As you're turning to Acts chapter 4, one of the things that I love coming here to do is to teach on the subject of leadership, along with my good friend, Pastor Sergio. And I would just say this, in my estimation, we, we uh, do well to understand names matter. Leaders lead people. And in the whole context of leadership, names deeply matter. And today, we dive in to Acts chapter 4, verses 7 and on. I'll read from the New, the New International Version. You'll see it on your screen, but you can follow it in your version of Scripture as well. In the seventh verse, we jump into a story where, where Peter and John, they have healed a lame man. I remember for all of our small children, the song, running and leaping and praising God, running and leaping and praising God. The lame man walks, right? Silver and gold have I none, but what I have I give to you. Well, this has already happened, and it's caused quite, quite a stir, and Peter and John, they have been kind of captured, taken prisoner, and now they're hauled in front of the Sanhedrin, the Sadducees, the Pharisees, and there they are in verse 7. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them, by what power or what name do you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are being asked how we did this, how he was healed, then then just know this. You and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus of Nazareth whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. That this man stands before you healed. For Jesus is the stone who builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. And salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. The name of Jesus. Before you go anywhere, before you launch off into this week, I want to just share with you a conviction on my heart that names matter. His name matters, and so does yours. Lord God, draw close to our hearts. Some of us need to be humbled because we've been living a life pretty full of ourselves. Lord God, some of us need affirmation because we have struggled to see ourselves as a child of yours that matter, that are worth this sacrifice of yours. So as we center on your name and you say ours, we lean close through your spirit. In Jesus we pray. 
Amen. Amen. My name is David Ferguson. Now, uh, I need to tell you, though, as I think about my name, I, uh, every once in a while somebody will ask me, so what do you like to be called? And I, I will say, well, so probably, though I, my name is David Ferguson, probably Dave. I find myself always introducing myself as Dave or Pastor Dave. I don't introduce myself as David. And I think this is because when I was a really little, little guy, and we're getting close, those of you that are trying to figure out how to handle your family budgets, May 10 is my birthday. So, you know, schedule it out as you need. It's the first of the month. You can make some plans. But it was my father's birthday that day as well, and the day I was born, May 10, in 19, it feels so long ago now, it feels like it should be said, the year of our Lord, 1964. <laughs> so you can do math on how old I will be this particular May, but that particular May 10 day in 1964, it was also Mother's Day. So interestingly, my father who I, I just always have looked up to my father, and I just, he was the first person I remember calling me Dave. It was a name he gave me. And so, I just always think of myself in the context of the name he gave me. Now, here's the interesting thing, though. I almost never write Dave. If I'm signing a note quickly and I'm not listing my last name, it would be Pastor Dave, or it'd be Dave. But if I'm writing out my name, Ah, see, somewhere along the way, my mother had the most beautiful handwriting. I would recognize it in a heartbeat. She's passed away some years ago now, but I, every once in a while, stumble upon a little bit of her writing, and I know it in a heart. That's my mother's handwriting. And when she would sign anything, an accountant, a business manager, a person whose signature ended up on a fair number of things, when she would sign anything, she went by her middle name, Elaine, rather than her first name, Adeline. And so she would always sign A period, Elaine Ferguson. A Elaine Ferguson. You saw that signature? Yeah. So somewhere along the line, I kind of thought, well, that, that's beautiful. I love that. I love the, the way that just kind of lays out on a piece of paper. I'm going to start signing David K. Ferguson. So it's odd but maybe a tribute to my mother and my father how I even think about my name. If I write my name, it's kind of this tribute to my mother's handwriting and my name, David K., middle initial, Ferguson. And if I'm introduced to you, chances are strong, it's going to be, hi, I'm Dave. Hi, I'm Pastor Dave. Oh, this is my friend Dave, Pastor Dave. Something familiar, and in fact, it goes to the heart of my relationship with my father. I want to tell you three stories that have to do with names as we go through this time together. I've not always had an easy time remembering names. Maybe it would be good. I would do well. I tell you what. So I, I got to know Chloe here last night, which I'm, uh, I'm, I'm enjoying the friendship that I think is going to last a little bit because it sounds like you're probably... You're, you, you, <laughs> is this your father? Am I understanding correctly? He is, he is both smiling and shaking his head and kind of doing this. It's, it's, so it's, it's kind of like this sounds like an objectionable truth to you that, in fact, we might be able to become closer friends if she goes on campus to Southern. I don't know how it's going to go with Spain next year, all that stuff. But I don't know you. I know Chloe now. I don't know you. Your name is? Richard. Richard, Richard, and do you go by any nicknames as well? What's that? Richie? Now, who is it that gets to call you Richie? Is it just any old person? I see some people with hands up back there. They just shot their hands shot up. We do. 
We get to. It's our, it's our privilege. Not everybody, just that family right back there. Those folks just, boom, yep. So what, how, did that, how does that come about? Richie, who, who first called you Richie? Your mom. Okay. So it's a term of endearment and, and closeness and probably an insider uh, name, yeah? So it would be a little odd for me to just start, hey, Richie, you're right. It, you'd fee- you, you looked just then like, oh, oh boy. <laughs> All right, so Richard it is. Richard it is. I've got to tell you, Richard, here's the problem. Chloe already experienced this. I'm not great at remembering names. You either? Good. So we're on the same page here. And uh, so I struggle a lot with names, and I meet a lot of people, and I just told you, I think knowing names matters. You actually, all of our experience in humanity is about relationship. We're talking about leadership later today. Leadership is about relationships in its most godly forms. And it's about names, knowing knowing one another. I don't know if you've had a situation where you're in somebody's presence with regularity, and it seems like they have a some sort of weird objection to learning your name. When they 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 see you repeatedly, and you have to be introduced to you every time, like they don't even know you. Or listen to you say their your name, and then they say your name incorrectly. See, my wife's name is Carol Lynn. I don't know how you heard that just then. Some of you might have heard it, Carolyn, because some of us will end up saying that. (laughs) But that's not actually her name. Others will hear Carol Lynn and say, oh, lovely to meet you, Carol. No, no, Lynn didn't, didn't, that was actually an important part of the name, right? This is her name, Carol Lynn. So I've become a little more in tune to listening for this and actually trying to get names correctly said and learning what the person actually thinks of themselves as and who they would call themselves, right? And it matters. Names matter. Now, I, I struggle sometimes with remembering names, and so, Chloe, you and I did this last night where it's like, ah, oh, I've forgotten. Now, here's the thing, by the way, those of you that are how many of you just admit it? I'm not great at remembering names. Just go ahead and raise your hand. And in that raising of the hand, didn't it feel like there was some catharsis that just happened? An acceptance? Yes, I'm Dave and I forget names. Yeah. <clears throat> here's, the, here's one of the things that I've learned, though. People forgive forgetting names. People struggle to forgive when you don't even try. Right? So, I've actually decided that what I do is I, I will use your name every time I can think of it, and when I can't, I will admit it and out myself, Richard. I will, I will tell you, oh, I've lost it, or I've, you know, and last night I actually had Chloe on my mind, but I began to doubt myself so severely I said, ah, I can't remember. What I've found is we'll let each other up off the carpet as long as we're trying. I want to tell you about a time, and it was years ago, (laughs) again, you did the math on my birth date, Uh, years and years ago, I was a freshman at college at Southern Adventist University. I only attended Southern one year, became a student missionary, and went back to Andrews University where I graduated from undergraduate school, but I was there at Southern, and uh, I, I just felt... Like, while I had friends, and in fact, I did an awful lot of friendship making and, frankly, goofing around, uh, and, but I just felt like, in terms, of, in terms of faculty members and staff members and those in leadership and those around campus, that, that nobody knew who I was. Nobody knew my name, 
for sure. Maybe they had seen me enough to know that guy, but that no one really knew my name. Now, I was going through that time a bit of a crisis, uh, in some ways a spiritual crisis. I was sensing a call to ministry, and I was pushing very hard against it. And in fact, uh, I was kind of going through a little, I, I think probably the best way to describe it is a bit of a veggie rebellion, right? The kind of rebellion that, that if I were to describe it to many people right now, you'd go, oh, really? That's, that's rebellion for you? Okay. <laughs> Nifty. Yeah, yeah, um, it, it was. But see, because I live on the inside of myself, I, I know I was rebelling in the little things that I was doing might have been skipping church or sneaking into movies or, you know, whatever it was I was doing. It was kind of tame stuff, but it was all a part of my acting out of this sense of, of separation and rebellion. And amidst all of this, there was nobody really on campus there in my life that was feeding positivity in terms of spiritual decision-making into my life, at least as far as I could tell or feel. I, I remember that particular semester, it was the springtime, and I was just about done. We were days away from going home, and I just felt desperate. Here's one of the reasons, by the way, I felt a little bit desperate, and that is I was trying to figure out, could I, this is back in the day, it wasn't all online, they mailed your grades to you at your home. I was trying to figure out, could I get home faster than my grades got there? <laughs> For the first time in my life, I was going to be receiving an F. And it, uh, this was just so awkward and terrible, and it was just going to get there faster than I was going to. I didn't know what my plan was after somehow uh, secreting it away from a mailbox. I don't know what I was planning to do then. But I was in a lot of turmoil because of what all had been going on. I'd been skipping classes. I was feeling uncomfortable. I was just, everything was shallow. Some of you have been there. You've gone through some of these cycles in your life. And I didn't have anybody who was really speaking into that place in my life as I was struggling and wrestling and wrestling with what I was doing spiritually. I was taking a class, by the way, uh, it was kind of some version of like life and teachings of Jesus. It was a, a, a class on the New Testament and Jesus from a man who some of you might know based on the fact that he <clears throat> edited and, and created the Clear Word Bible, Dr. Jack Blanco. Dr. Jack Blanco was a, just a kindly, kindly man. He would come and, and eat or serve in the cafeteria on certain days. Um, and and uh, the problem was, I was I, I had grown up as a pastor's child, well versed in all things kind of Bible and Scripture, and so I was just coasting, right? I was I wasn't really doing too much, but I would talk up, I would speak up in class, I would interact well, and all these sorts of things. And I, I just to be honest with you, I was getting a decent enough grade in Doctor Blanco's class, but I kind of felt almost a little bit on the inside, like I was making fun of the fact that I was doing so little and getting a good grade. Maybe you've had that moment, too. Two days before graduation weekend, and, and so I was about to head home because as a freshman, I didn't need to stay for any of this. And so it was actually two days before I would, I would leave campus and head home, and, and my life was a bit of, of a mess at the time. And I'm walking, I'd just gotten done with one of my last classes in history, and I was walking down a hall through a building, 
passing through the building that was the religion building, and as I walked along, somebody called my name. Dave. Hey, Dave. And it was a mature voice. It was somebody a little older. I didn't think anybody even knew my name. But as I kind of sped past an office and my name was spoken through a doorway, I paused and backed up, and there was Dr. Jack Blanco sitting on the other side of his desk. Dave, Dave, come and sit down. Uh, This was odd to me. This was unusual because, again, I didn't think he knew me by name, would recognize me outside of the very row and seat in a class. But he was calling me into his office, and I cannot tell you anything else that he said that day verbatim outside of my name. I can tell you the substance of it, though. What he told me, in essence, was that he had been watching me and he thought God had placed a call on my life. And he wondered how I was doing and what I was thinking. I don't know, something about the kind way that he did it and the fact that he knew me somehow had taken the time to figure out who I was and call me by name. I just, have you had one of those times? I just, it just all tumbled out, what all I was going through, how frustrated I was, how little I was looking forward to going home amidst looking forward to going home because of all that I anticipated with my grades and the different things that were happening. And at one point, I just blurted out, you know, if I had to do all over again, I think I'd spend a year going as a student missionary, just do something for other people and and allow God to kind of speak to me and, and figure some of these things out. And he said, well, why don't you? What do you mean, why don't I? Two weeks ago, they had the dedication service for all the student missionaries that were going out. It was very well known that at Southern, there was quite a process to go through to be able to get to go and be a student missionary. And here I am two days before going home. There's no possible way. What do you mean? How? And he said, Dave, if you'd like to try, I'll help you. And in the space of 24 hours, I went from being someone who felt like no one who had the maturity to speak into my life knew my name to having had a life-changing conversation because he called my name. And I was going as a student missionary. I promise you that if he didn't know my name, I would not be standing in front of you right now. You wouldn't be calling me Pastor Dave because he knew my name. And sometimes we think others don't know our name because they're important and we're not. How could that differential be any greater than the difference between the God of the universe and me? And yet, as Jeremiah will say in chapter 1, he knew you in the womb. He has been tracking you since before you were born. Before anyone knew your name, it was on his lips. Don't leave this place confused. The God who can speak galaxies into existence and make broccoli and trees in one singing breath speaks your name knows your name. Boy, I tell you, it just, it floors me. I have the privilege 
of sitting almost every Sabbath two rows in front of Dr. Jack Blanco before I stand up to preach. And it fills me with humility because of the way he treated me then and the way he treats me now. This man who took time to know my name. I want to take you to another place. We're going to get into a little bit different story. You know, the Old Testament is fascinating. They refused to say God's name out loud. This sense of respect, and there was a lot of respect for the name of God, right? You remember it. Psalm 8, chapter 1, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth, the name that we won't even speak. And so around the corner, we take a turn into the New Testament and Jesus coming to earth and Matthew chapter 1, which by the way, you start in chapter 1, verse 1, and you go a little ways and you're going to notice it's just filled with names. I don't know if you've been there recently. It's crazy names, some of the names that we don't often use for our children. If you're looking for one that will result in only your child having it in their first grade class, I think you've got a few to choose from, Jeconiah or Sheltiel or uh, Zerubbabel, any of those probably would work. But as these names float through the first chapter of Matthew, we hit the 18th verse. Here we are in the 18th verse of chapter 1 of Matthew. This is how the birth of Jesus, the Messiah, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Christmas time and on, we read through this pretty quickly and not always with a discerning and understanding eye or heart to what is going on and happening here. Verse 19, because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. All right, so here we are. We're all set up. We've come out of the Old Testament where we won't even say the name of God out loud, right? That Yahweh God. We are, we're going we're gonna to get to the New Testament. Matthew is going to share a bunch of names to try to prove a lineage of Jesus. And then we hit this this moment in time, and Mary is pregnant, and Joseph is concerned because he doesn't want to just discard her thoughtlessly, but it is a part of the law that he should not marry her. And an angel comes to him. By the way, it's an interesting thing to consider what the mindset of this angel is at this moment, what it is that's happening. Because, we, again, we read this very fast. We think about this story very quickly. But here is an angel explaining something to two human beings about the God of the universe. And just check out, for instance, the words that you know well. But this is the perspective this angel carries into this conversation in Philippians chapter 2. Take a look at it. Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. When Paul writes, your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus. So this angel comes knowing the attitude of God. Here's the attitude of this Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. This, this angel comes just stunned at their task, a bit mind-numbed at what it is that is going on here, he is explaining to Joseph that the God of 
creation and all things has chosen to make himself nothing. It's okay, Joseph. Don't be scared. That's going to be the first thing he needs to say because Joseph is freaked out and seeing an angel in a dream is not helping. Often. Frankly, almost every time an angel shows up and speaks with a human being, the first thing they need to say is, hey, just calm down. <laughs> it's okay. It'll be okay. Don't be so afraid. Let's just talk our way through. Breathe. We'll talk our way through this. So the angel comes, fear not, Joseph, I'm telling you, I know, I have trouble grasping it too, but God has decided to subordinate himself by becoming one of his very own creatures. And when you look at Mary, understand this, God has chosen Mary to carry the Messiah, a God who would rather become low than lose you. And there's something important for you to know, as if to say, Joseph, I know you're going to have a struggle even grasping all of this that I'm telling you, but let me give you something that might help you. Let me tell you a couple of things that may, in fact, help. So that 20th verse, after he had considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, and he said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. I know it's inconceivable, but this is what is happening. God has made himself low. And she will give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. This is the Messiah, Joseph. And all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophets. That's the prophet Isaiah, chapter 7, verse 14. All of this to fulfill what the prophet Isaiah had said. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. It's one of the beautiful things about Scripture is that there are so many names for God that meet the situation you are in. A shelter, a rock, the sacrifice, the lamb, the lion who can stand up for Judah. But if there is one name that encapsulates the whole story of this book and the God of it, it is this Emmanuel. Jesus says, hey, look, as I am being born, send angels down to make sure they know my name. I know theirs. Make sure they know mine. What is this name? This, this you know, glorious, magnificent God of ours with a name that we won't even say out loud because we need to be respectfully distant? The angel says, No. This is Emmanuel. This is God with you. He knows your name. Today, he speaks affirmation over your name, over your life. And he also says this, don't go from here without understanding and knowing I am. Everything about this is so that I can be with you. Yeah, but you don't know what I've done. <laughs> yes, I do. I knew it before you did it. 
with you, but you don't know what I can't do. <laughs> yeah, I do. And everything about that will change. If you take me up on my name, God, with you. John chapter 20. I love this. John, at the end of his book, he's shared so many important and powerful things. Every doctrine we believe in can be exposed to the gospel of John. And then he will say these words in the 30th verse and 31st verse. Jesus did so many other things. Other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded even in this book. But these that are recorded here, these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life. Where? In his name. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of like that, that uh, um, I don't know, that special place that we like to show up to. Maybe it's a stadium we're trying to get into, but we don't have a ticket. Maybe it is an office building where we're trying to get to the top floor. Maybe it is an apartment that we don't have the key to. Whatever the circumstance or the situation. And then we realize we're with somebody. You know, it's kind of that old Italian expression, yeah, I know a guy. God with you. You can't get in, but you can if you're with him. He opens the door to every good gift that comes from the Father of light. God with us. He has broken down the barriers. He has spanned the chasm. It's his voice shouting through the office door into the hallway that you have sped past. He's calling your name. And he's saying this, I just need you to know, I want to be with you. I don't care who knows it. That's the crazy part. He seems not to be embarrassed by you. <laughs> not to shrink back from me. You keep my name. Know my name. My name tells you exactly how our relationship is to go. God with us. And by believing in this name, you have life. Matthew, the same guy who will write the story of Jesus' birth in the way that we've just read in the 18th chapter of his book, says this, for where two or three come together, what? Doesn't matter if we come together unless God is with us. And when you come together in my name, I am with you. Or maybe 10 chapters later in the 28th chapter of Matthew's book, he says, Jesus describing his stance as he is about to ascend to heaven, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. And I wonder what that angel would say to us today if he had met me as I got up out of my bed and went to get a little bit of breakfast in a hotel, or if he had met you at the door of the church, sometimes just running through our spiritual experiences by rote and habit, or could it be somebody who hasn't made it here today because you're still a little disconnected, but there's something in your heart that knows that there's something about connecting with God. Maybe I'll, I'll do that through a streamed event right now. And 
I wonder what the angel would say to us now. That same angel who went to Joseph and said, first of all, don't be afraid. I realize this is a little bit of a spooky experience, but just calm down. It's going to be okay. Beyond that, I'm here to tell you the name of God that will change everything about your life. What would he say to you? What would he say to me? I wonder if he would say, I've been watching you, and it feels like you don't get it. (laughs) That God isn't waiting for you to earn more spiritual money. He's not, he's not saying, you know, you haven't said the right incantation. You haven't worn the right clothes. You haven't acted the right way. You haven't done the right things. He is saying his name to you right now. I am with you. You, are the, you get to choose whether that's going to be my true name or not. You get to decide, are you calling me that name? Are you calling me the God who is with me or not? Why would you wait? Why would you not do this? And all oh, that you would consider living a life separate from God somehow for the reason that you feel you're not good enough? You, you by the way, those of us that wonder if we are worthy, the answer is no. We're not worthy. But if you wonder what you're worth, You're worth what was paid for you. And it's the blood of Jesus Christ. Worthy is the lamb whose life was traded for yours. Well, this last story, I had the privilege then because of the hard work in a very short period of time that Dr. Blanco did. I don't, he pulled strings. I don't know how it even happened that 24 hours after that conversation in his office, I was all set up. I'd had an amazing conversation that was deeply cleansing with my parents about how that year had gone. <laughs> no longer needed to get home and figure out how to beat my report card. I also had all the money pledged that I would be able to go as a student missionary to the Marshall Islands, it was all set. And I was stunned that the power of this man knowing my name had just kind of run through my life. And I went later that summer to the Marshall Islands where I would teach in high school there. And the first thing that happened is they brought in a bunch of, we, we, we had a week of orientation in Hawaii, which of course is the right place to do that. Then we had a second week of orientation in the Marshall Islands for those who were out in that section of the globe. Those of you that don't know where that is, if you just spin the globe around, there's a section uh, to the west of the Hawaiian Islands. It just looks blue, like water, but there are little dots in it. And the Marshall Islands, Micronesian Islands, are some of the little tiny dots before you start hitting things like the Philippines and, you know, other parts of Asia. Well, there was a man who came and led out in a portion of the orientation that some of you will know his name and some of you do not know his name, and I'll, I'll just tell you his, his name. Harold is what he told us to call him, Harold, and it felt really weird, super weird. First of all, he was a, a couple of generations older than me. I had known of his father, also Harold. This was Harold Jr., or as some might have known him, HMS Richards Jr. Now, those of you that don't know who that is, there are, with almost at all times in Adventism in the last years since Ellen White, uh, 
there have been kind of minor Adventist celebrities, right? Those individuals that show up to camp meetings with regularity, they speak, they preach, they teach, or maybe they're on radio programs, television programs, something like this. There could be somebody who's a, a, a general conference president or otherwise, but there probably was no one better known during a period of time in Adventism than HMS Richards Sr., Harold Sr., and then his son, it was the voice of prophecy. They were speakers, but they were teachers, preachers, and they would go to camp meeting. I had heard him speak at a camp meeting as a boy, and it was the kind of thing where you would see after he'd get done speaking, he'd come down off of some platform somewhere, and the lions would just whoo, flock to, to shake this guy's hand or talk to him or whatever. So I'd seen him, heard him from a distance. He had his just perfect radio voice, deep, booming voice. He chose to come out for two weeks, one week to help us with orientation, and one week just to have his own vacation on the island of Majuro where I was teaching. And there were 20 student missionaries, and no one else that knew who HMS Richards Jr. was. And so for two weeks, every once in a while, you, you have this kind of, this view of somebody that seems a little bit famous, and you wonder if they're if that's just kind of a veneer, if that's a facade, if they, or if they're anything like that. And then every once in a while, you get to know somebody who has some little level of fame, and they turn out to be better than even what they looked like from a distance. And that's what Harold, I'll call him, was. So generous with his time. He was humorous. He would tell us amazing stories. He sat on a a log there right by the incoming tide on this little island outside of my apartment trying to teach me how to play guitar. And I was just deeply, deeply impressed with the humility and the character of this man. Well, of course, that year ends. I go back to school, undergraduate school, graduate from undergraduate school. I end up interning as a young pastor for a year between undergraduate school and, and uh, seminary in that that summer before seminary, I got married. We went back to the seminary. It's now five years later since I was, in fact, there on that island. And I'm in seminary. Now, I'm a new guy in seminary, and there are, there are these kind of ranks in almost every situation, any setting that you get into, they're, they're the totem pole situation. I was at the low end, right? And so, some of the guys who had been there, you know, the longest and had gotten in the best, they had different offices in terms of uh, you know, leadership and this sort of thing. And, and so, some of those individuals were in charge of setting up who would come in as guest speakers for the seminary chapels. And this particular seminary chapel I'm thinking of, HMS Richards Jr. came as a guest to preach, to speak. And he got done. This is five years later. And I'm pretty sure he's not going to remember who I am, right? I mean, he shakes the hands of so many people, sees so many people. And, uh, and there he is, he gets done with a compelling message that he gives, and he steps down off the platform, and all of those who were the kind of the with-it happening, high-end kind of students who had been there the longest and had kind of organized this thing, boom, they flock around him. I'm out on the outskirts of this situation, and I really don't imagine I'm going to get a chance even hardly to say hello before I've got to get to another class. And so I'm trying to decide, do I try to kind of wedge my way through the crowd to get to him or not? And I'm just at the edge of giving up, and he catches my eye from across this crowd that has enveloped him. Big, booming voice. He stops everybody. He says, hey, 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 Dave, come here. Large, 6'4", frame. He throws an arm around me, 
twists me toward everybody else who have now parted like the Red Sea for whatever it was he wanted to do there. Up I come, and he turns me to everybody. He says, this is my friend Dave. I got to tell you a story about Dave. And then he goes on to tell the story. See, HMS Richards Jr. was a ham radio operator. Some of you might know what that is. Others might not. Well, there in the Marshall Islands, it was like massively expensive to call home. Like $4 a minute. And this is back in the day. So we never called home. But what you could do is we had a ham radio operator on our island, and we would radio to the West Coast, California, to HMS Richards Jr. He'd connect up because he had gotten the, the, the message that we were trying to call home. So on this particular Christmas Eve, he spent five hours patching calls through because he could call collect to the East Coast and patch us through. But see, the way the rules go, whoever the, the, the ham radio operator is that patches you through, they have to stay on the line with you the whole time. So it's not just that he gets it going and checks back in in a half hour. Five hours, he patches through every single one of these 20 student missionaries to their homes on Christmas Eve. And so he twists me around to the crowd. He says, I got to tell you a story about my friend Dave. And he tells the story of listening in on that particular Christmas Eve phone call with tears streaming down his eyes about how I informed my dad. I think God wants me to go into ministry. Could you look for a good preaching Bible for me, Dad? Tears streaming down Harold's cheeks. I didn't think he would remember my name. I didn't think anybody knew my name that freshman year. You might not think you are worth much. Just know this, the one who is worth the most knows your name, says it every day, is calling you now. And so, this from the passage we started with, salvation is found in no one else but the one who knows your name. And there is no other name under heaven by which you must be saved. Lord God, bless us, bless us. Thank you for the opportunity to walk through your word, to consider who you are as you speak to us about who we are. You are saying today for each of us hearing this voice, before you were born, I knew you. When you were lost, I found you. When you were desperate, I loved you. When you were wrong, I forgave you. And my grace is all you need because I am Emmanuel, the God who chooses to be with you. So we latch on through the Holy Spirit to this Emmanuel God. Call us by name. We call out yours. Jesus, save us from our sins. Emmanuel, be with us in the name of the one by whom we are saved, Jesus Christ. Amen.
Amen. Thank you. That was awesome. Let's pray together. Just again, I want to invite you to be with us this afternoon at 3.30. And um, keep the blessings going. Amen? All right, let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, we love you so much. Thank you. Thank you for caring about us. Thank you for knowing our name. And thanking you for giving us the name above all names that we may experience the salvation that you have provided for us. I pray, Father, that as we leave uh, today that we would know just a little bit more how much you love us and may it impact our lives in such a way that it would launch us into furthering the kingdom, your kingdom. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Have an awesome, awesome Sabbath. We'll see you later this afternoon. Folks at home, good to see you. We'll see you guys next week. God bless.